welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast. I'm Caleb Alexander, joined by Alan Cole. This is the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com, which is the Gamecock website on Rivals. Uh, hey, we're back here after another win, third straight week. Three in a row, yeah. Um, and this one is perhaps, not perhaps, this one is the biggest win of the Shane Beamer era. And, you know, in my rapid reaction which is on the website. Go check that out. Alan's already written a couple of stories about the game. We got players of the game up there right now. We'll still have a few more stories, including some PFF and snap count and stuff later today. I'll got my stats um, probably tomorrow. Yeah. Actually, I'm a little behind because I had to drive back yesterday, but stats coming at some point too, for those of y'all who like that. Yeah. So definitely plenty of content um, kind of reviewing the game. We'll keep talking about it throughout the week, maybe even a little bit longer this week than normal since we got a bye week. Um, and then we'll start to look at some mid season review stuff and then start to look forward to Texas A&M next week. But um, yeah, so I said in the rapid reaction, basically like I know that there's a lot of potential like butts in this game. You're like, you beat the number 13 team in the country and you could be like, yeah, but Will Levis wasn't there, whatever. I think if you're a South Carolina fan today, if you're a South Carolina fan this week, <laughs> um, especially a nice long bye week, you don't even have to worry about your own team playing this week. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy yes. the fact that you got an SEC road win against a ranked team um, and played pretty well. I mean, <laughs> the, we'll, we'll talk about the ins and outs of the games game here in a minute, but pretty much dominated the game from the beginning. It didn't always lead to uh, pretty, you know, sequences and it didn't always lead to you know tons of touchdowns or anything but never never trailed you know you scored on the second play of the game and never trailed from there um so yeah what are, you were there in lexington how, how was the atmosphere what's your overall impression um maybe some things that you saw that we wouldn't have seen on the broadcast anything like that first of all that's a beautiful facility stadium wise um that's but they know they did renovations there i think i guess it was a little bit before covid but that's no, they've sold that place out. It was loud. It was a good environment. Um, that's um, that's a good size college football stadium. It's not one of these mega hundred and ten thousands. It seems to struggle to fill, but it's also not tiny. You feel like you're in a still in a big place. So that's for Lexington. As for the game itself, um, Shane Beamer wanted that one bad. Um, that was the first thing he said to us post game in his opening statement that he when we um he said when y'all asked me during the. And they put the ball on the ground. Tonka Hemingway has it. There's the Tonka Hemingway. Yeah. Takes it down inside the two. But he said when you asked, asked during yeah. the week. That... Um, he, he said that he lied. That this this week is bigger than other weeks. That this was a bigger game. That, you know, this, they wanted this one. This was a road game in the SEC. They had one of those in the last 10 tries. Um... You know, they hadn't beat a ranked team on the road since 2019. Um, that was the Georgia game under Muschamp. And they hadn't beat Kentucky. Yeah, I hadn't beat a ranked team at all since 2020. So, I mean, it's been a minute. Yeah, no, that was a swing game. We talked about it. And they found a way to win. Like, I think that's important, too. They just found a way to get it done. Yeah, and I was really curious on whether or not they were talking about the sunglasses comment or whatever throughout the week. And then I think we got that answered pretty quickly right after the game 
Um, yeah. So if, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, Gamecock Football, which we retweeted it as well, um, posted a game from the locker room or a video from the locker room after the game. And basically, he's like, hey, they said something about the uh, sunglasses and building uh, the culture versus climate and all this stuff. Shane thought Olivia was wearing a culture over climate shirt in the post-game presser, too. Yeah, and um, so right after that, if you if, if you guys missed the whole context of this, so March Hoops, SEC Media Days, which if you'll remember is the same um, weekend that Shane Beamer went viral with, oh, we got sound on the highlights. Oops, probably hard to hear us. There we go. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Um, anyway, um, so the... SEC media days, Shane Beam went viral with the sunglasses. The Soldier and, Boy um, video, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, swag on. And then uh, the day after that, Mark Stoops was being interviewed on SEC Network, and he basically was like, it's harder to build a culture than it is a climate. Uh, he was like, climate is, you know, throwing on some stupid sunglasses or whatever he said. Um, and then, of, co- of course, after that, Mark Stoops was like, oh, I wasn't talking about Shane Beamer, which I don't know how he wasn't talking about Shane Beamer. Oh, he was. Whatever. And he yeah. called what it is. Um um, you know what? At that point, he had a right to. They had won seven out of eight. Um, that was, I think we said this at the time. Um, if you don't like it, go beat Kentucky. And they did. And you could tell they wanted this one. And that's a little bit of what I wrote about, the sense of urgency during the week. Um, Beamer said that was their best practice week of the season. Rattler said they could tell that Beamer cared about this one maybe a little more. Um, yeah, that's... I was standing 10 feet away from Beamer on the field post game. There's a videos on my Twitter of him fist pumping and beating his chest. And that was a big, big deal. Yeah. I mean, also it's just beyond just the like grudge or whatever, the, the revenge of someone out. That, um, I think yeah, you do the sort of game you're going to have to win. If you're going to move yourself up in that SEC pecking order. Now it's pretty clear South Carolina not on Georgia's level rating yet, but um, I mean probably not on Tennessee's level either after what we've seen over the last few weeks. But um, I think they fit right in with Florida, Kentucky should be a little better, Missouri, Bandy, um, and then yeah, I mean whatever with the West. But these are the sorts of games you have to win to start moving your way up into that like third place in the SEC East, and then obviously yeah, you want to move up from there too. But you know you got to get. You gotta get you gotta take the first step before you can take the second step. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that was that was a huge win. So everyone just enjoy it. We obviously can take some criticisms away from it. Um the first half to me looked a lot like uh the twenty twenty one game and it was kind of scary where South Carolina's defense and special teams were creating opportunities for the offense and the offense just was stripping of the first play where they only go two yards and, and Marshawn Lloyd point, punched it in. Um, after that, I mean, Marshawn Lloyd had a pretty good game throughout the whole game, but Spencer Adler was struggling in the first half to the point that, I mean, in the group chat, we were kind of like, surely they're not going to put in Luke Doty, right? Like, they're <laughs> like we were kind of no. wondering, like, are, are they going to said pull the that was never or? a consideration. They actually, someone actually asked him that. Um, and yeah, to, to Beamer's credit, whenever he went into halftime uh, and talked to like the reporter on the field or whatever he was kind of like you know what he's been here before he'll figure it out and in the second half he really did he came out um seemed like the game plan changed a little bit we talked about how 
Kentucky is really good at limiting big plays. We talked about that in the podcast uh, last week, and they play, it's because they play like a deep zone with their safeties. And for some reason, in the first half, the game plan either the, either Satterfield called it this way, or Spencer was trying to do too much, or whatever. It's going to be try to throw it downfield, and it's like, all right, but we, there's two safeties there all the time. Um, that resulted in one interception. Resulted in several plays where Rattler had some time and just like they dropped eight and everyone was covered and he just had to kind of like throw it away or, or tuck it for like two yards or whatever. Um, but then the second half, I felt like he did a much better job of just kind of dinking and dunking, like finding stuff underneath. Um, it helps that you throw a screen pass to Antoine Wells and it breaks for 43 yards and a touchdown. Um, but really just overall, he, he came in and looked a lot more settled and composed after looking pretty lost there in the first half. I think the whole thing with Rattler uh, is just the quick decisions. Um, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier in the season, but it does kind of feel like the longer a play goes, the more he's scanning the reads, whatever, trying to make a decision. Okay. Am I running or am I staying in the pocket? That has led to some problems. In the second half, it was quick decisions, a quick throw over the middle to um, God, was it um, who had that big third down? Was it Brown? I don't even know, but there was a couple big third downs, just quick over the middle. Um, there was a big third and nine on the field goal drive. The screen to Wells, that was a quick decision. Um, just decide quicker and go. Like It's basically just go play. Um, the, the, the interception to Stogner, I think, was, I don't want to say final straw, but that was a classic example of what you're talking about. That was a long developing play. He had a lot of time in the pocket. He looked indecisive. He kind of just forced the ball to Stog. It was picked. That was the last snap of the first half on offense for South Carolina. And I think, the, I don't know this, but I think the coaching staff probably went into halftime and just said, you're all right, chill, quick decisions. We got we got a good game plan called. We're going to be okay here. And that was something Beamer did say too that I thought was interesting. Um, not to cut you off there, but he said something that in hindsight, he's probably right, but it sure didn't feel like it at the time. He said he went into halftime and said, there's no reason for this game to be close. Like we got a touchdown on the first play. We blocked a punt. We've had the ball in plus territory. I think it was five times in the first half they did like this game should not be close and it ended up being a double digit win well yeah and that was the the fearful thing is like 21 South Carolina lived their entire night on Kentucky side of the field and couldn't get it done um but it was nice to see yeah second half they came out composed and, and made it work but that was something I wrote uh also in the rapid reaction it was 24 14 game uh you know it was 24 7 late and then they went prevent and gave up a, a score late but um, it really should have been worse than that. I mean, South Carolina pretty much dominated all three phases of the game. I mean, Chris Rodriguez got his, he got 126 yards rushing, but he only had what, like 50 in this? No, not 20. No, it was 32, 32 yeah. yards in the second half on only six carries, by the way. Kentucky, that's the other thing that took the lead. Kentucky had to go away from the run. Right. So I think, yeah, once they got them out of their game plan, the defense really stepped up. Um, and, and to their credit, like, Kentucky did try to run the ball coming out of halftime, and um, South Carolina did a much better job of kind of swarming to Chris Rodriguez, uh, forcing some third and longs, and then six sacks after after only having five sacks through yep. five games. Uh, they had six sacks in this one. So really impressive uh, day by the defense. A um, couple guys stepped up. So we, we talked about pregame. Um, that they're missing two safeties again. So DBs were all beat up again. So Devon Reed and RJ Roderick both missed this game. They made that made David Spalding, who has been hurt all season, uh, finally came back and they put him at safety. 
and he actually made uh, the hit on the first play of the game that caused the fumble. Um, and then he also had the interception late in the game that kind of fully sealed everything. So, I mean, there's a couple plays that I think he got, he got beat on the first touchdown pass by Kentucky where he got kind of sucked in on the toss play action and then uh, they hit the little seam route on him or whatever. But he played a really good game for, you know, starting the season yeah. at cornerback being out for five weeks or four weeks and then getting thrust into that situation. This is a really interesting one to me. I wrote about this actually midweek last week about kind of the defensive shuffling through the injuries. This was something we heard from Clayton White in August about how they're trying to put as many guys in as many different spots as possible so that if something happens, they're comfortable. And Beamer made the point post game that they literally have not had a healthy secondary since the first drive of the season because RJ Roderick got hurt on that first series against Georgia State. Um, I thought Spalding played really well. Beamer gave him a lot of daps in the teleconference. Um, I do think that's interesting, by the way, that he every week on a Sunday night teleconference, Shane Beamer goes through who the coaches thought were the players of the game on offense, defense, and special teams. Um, this week, he gave the game balls on offense to Marshawn Lloyd and Jaheim Bell. Defense, Sherrod Green, Tonka Hemingway, and Zach Pickens. Special teams, Mitch Jeter, who had another big field goal. He still hasn't missed one yet this year. King Dominion Ford, who blocked South Carolina's fifth punt of the season, leaving the nation, and Josh Van on the punt returns. Obviously, that's interesting every week who the coaches thinks playing the best. Yeah, and that's uh, we have our play, player of the game feature today, too, and we have some of those same names. Um, did you m- mention Hemingway? Yes, the Beamer yeah. game gave, gave a game ball to Tonka Hemingway. One thing I want to kind of mention is just the job that Clayton White's done so far this year. I think it's been pretty impressive. South Carolina right now ranks 51st in total defense, which seems like, you know, that's not that good. But if you, I think if you take into account one, the fact that they played, <laughs> they opened the season with two top 10 teams or, you know, two of their first three games or two top 10 teams. But also just like you said, all of the injuries that they've been dealing with, um, you have two guys that you relied on as starters that have been out for the entire, they're out for the entire season. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there haven't, they haven't had a fully healthy DB room the entire season um, and to still be ranked 51st in total defense, giving your, your team a chance to win throughout. I, I think that's been a pretty spectacular coaching job. Had a lot of freshmen that have stepped up. Um, DQ Smith and Nick Emmon Warrior both played every snap on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good about defense um, going forward even after the season because of how many people have had to get some early experience. Yeah, we saw Stone Blanton get him. He had a series, I think, in the second quarter, too. He's been getting some more run at linebacker recently. Um, Didn't see as much of Bam Martin Scott in this game, but he's been playing well. Um, And also, I think you were talking about reasons to feel good. There's a lot of them right in North Carolina. Shane Beamer got on that teleconference last night and for the first time all season said there were no new injuries to report after a game. He said nobody got hurt in Lexington. He said everybody who, except the three guys who are out for the season, so Strawn, Kaba, and Chad Terrell, he said they are hoping slash they think they can have everybody back for A&M basically is, is what he was saying with the two-week bye. Other than the season-ending guys, they should be pretty much healthy going into A&M. Yeah, if we want to keep talking about things to feel good about, um, I know that we got our normal like boo birds or whatever, uh, our fire saddle Satterfields on the um, message board in the first half. 
but I thought he played he he made some good adjustments at halftime and called a pretty great game in the second half. I mean the the one play that stands out is the reverse call where they scored their final touchdown to go up twenty four seven. Um, they had been setting up that play all night uh, by ra- running the ball with Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell. He had a he had a nice game too. Um, and in that situation, you know, if you take a big loss there, like <laughs> everyone's gonna freak out because you're. I think they're around their 24-yard line or something like that. Um, but perfect play call at the perfect time and scored a touchdown. And, yeah, anyway, I just want to give him credit because we have yeah, for sure. been critical of him at times. Um, but, you know, the I thought he caught a pretty good game. This is, uh, yeah. And made this the adjustments he needed. going to sound like me taking away credit from him, and I'm not because it still goes through his headset. But you know who actually – we're told called that reverse play because they call a timeout right before it. You know who in the huddle actually in the timeout said we should run the reverse here. It's going to work according to Spencer Rattler. Eric Douglas, your starting center, got in that timeout nice. huddle and said reverse here. This is what this is going to work. We're going to ice the game, at least according to Rattler. Yeah, and the offensive line uh, played a really good game. You, we, I don't think we mentioned it yet, but Javon Gwynn just got announced the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week um, this morning. So uh, I know he had a key block on the Juice Wells 43-yard um, screen pass that went for a touchdown. He had a big block down the field. Um, I'll have to go back and look at the tape to see what else he did. But, you know, apparently pretty good game throughout. And, you know, we, we were really critical of the offensive line the f- in week one. But I feel like we've honestly played pretty well since then. Um, you know, you didn't score a ton of points against Georgia. No one does. Um I thought that Shane Beamer made a, a interesting point on Sunday teleconference yesterday where he was like, because we we talked about it after the game too, where we were like, we learned Georgia that we could run the ball. He's like, I know that that sounds crazy. And I was like, it doesn't sound crazy. I mean, we talked about it after the game where we were like, yeah, they almost hit several big runs. Uh, maybe they lean into giving the ball to Marshawn Lloyd. And it seems like they've kind of done that since that point. So I think we need to give Marshawn Lloyd more credit than we are too. Um, not that we haven't talked about him a lot, but in that Georgia game, there were we were sitting next to each other on the box. There were three or four plays where he would just shoestring tackle away from breaking something, even against that Georgia defense. And then obviously he explodes against Charlotte, scores again against SC State. Last night he had the big 45-yard run. He had the touchdown on the first play of the game Saturday night. And then he had the big 45-yard run to set up the reverse touchdown by Jalen Brooks that iced the game. Um, Marshawn Lloyd's had a great season. Uh we're kind of at the halfway point, you can start taking some stock of things. That is, we weren't really sure who running back one was going to be before the year. You know, there was Christian Beale Smith transferred in, Juju McDowell, but no, it is clearly Marshawn Lloyd, and he has earned that. Yeah, another sort of interesting thing on the defensive side of the ball, if we're just talking about individual players and everything, I wonder if this has ever happened. All four positions on the D-line so you got your edge, you got your two interior, and then you got like that outside linebacker sort of edge position. Edward, who is deep defensive end, Taka Hemingway and Zach Pickin, who are both interior linemen, and then Gilbert Edmond, who is that sort of edge outside linebacker sort of uh, hand in the dirt sometime role. All four of them got sacks. I, I, I don't remember a time when literally every position on the defensive line got a sack. Um, and then Sherrod Green added one as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone that they needed to step up in this game stepped up, and then you didn't have 
you know, any terrible performances um, from anyone else. And it was a good team win. All, all oh, around. I'd like to shout out Mitch Jeter, too, for those touchbacks, keeping the ball out of Barry and Brown's hands and those kick returns. That sounds silly, but we were talking about it in the box. After those first two touchbacks, he kicked the ball twice in the first 13 seconds because of the touchdown, but he was fired up. He was, like, sprinting off the sidelines. Pete Lembo was dapping him up. Like, you could tell that was something that was – actually important in this game keeping the ball out of barry and brown's hands and they did that i think i I think he only had an opportunity to return one punt or something yeah Um, south carolina is top 10 in the country in kick return yards like fewest allowed and you can see why and then yeah um kai kroger had one punt that he pinned inside the three yard line and he almost had another one i don't know if you guys could see the the replay in the stadium but it was literally like an inch away from did it actually hit the chalk though we couldn't they didn't even show a replay in the stadium yeah just barely though it it did though um but it was crazy when i first saw it i thought it was like in the end zone and bounced back because it bounced back so hard um but now it literally bounced on like the inch of the first inch of the chalk and that was enough to make it a touchback um but yeah he had a, he had a great game punting um special teams continue to be pistol special. pete limbo at it again another block punt <laughs> um as far as just like storylines season storylines um we talked about you know through the first five games most people if you're being realistic would have picked three and two now it's possible they could have come out played a little bit better at Arkansas pulled off um but for the most part the first five games of the season went as it was and then we talked about how this was a huge opportunity to kind of set the tone for the second half so here you say at the bye week four and two you have a win over a ranked opponent on the road in the sec you got your first sec win you're one and two in conference right now um i feel like you got to be feeling, feeling good uh the the next stretch even so you get a bye week of course texas a&m gets a bye week too but you get a bye week to prepare for texas a&m you get them at home um their offense isn't particularly scary uh obviously they just played really well the defense as a team you know played really well against alabama oh, but by the way news, was as of six minutes ago south carolina texas a&m will be a 7 30 night game live on the sec network that is also the last day of the state fair. Plan your traffic accordingly. That just can't drop now. Yeah, and honestly, I think that that's the advantage of South Carolina because you're going to have a pretty rowdy environment. That that's going to be a might, great atmosphere. That might be the best atmosphere, home atmosphere that you have seen yet. I think it probably will be. So um, that's awesome. So, yeah, you, you have that, and then you have two very winnable games against Bandy and Missouri. So... You know, I'm not going to pencil in to say him as a win yet, but it's not crazy to think that you could go from three and two to seven and two, or maybe at worst six and three. Um, and you're sitting there, you know, with the opportunities to exceed your win total from 2021, which we we pretty much all noted as progress this year. I mean, sure, I'm sure you'd love nine wins or whatever, but I think if you get seven regular season wins, you're still, especially with the schedule being harder this year than it was last year you're still pretty pleased yeah and the a&m deal coming off the bot that's going to be a at least stylistically and in terms of what you actually have to do to win that game we'll talk about it way more next week but that's similar to kentucky it's physical at the line of scrimmage it's a backup quarterback Uh, it's a really good running back um a lot of what a&m is going to do and going to try to do to you is what you just stopped at kentucky 
um, and what you're going to have to do again. And that was, you mentioned Chris Rodriguez. He finished with 126 yards. He's going to get his. He's just too good of a running back to keep him to like 30 yards for the game or something. But there were no chunk plays. There were no touchdowns. And that's pretty much all you can ask for. Just the bend but don't break. Make your tackles. I don't think, I can't remember that many missed tackles. I know they, that was a big deal after the Arkansas game. They had 21 in that game. I don't know what the number was Saturday, but it wasn't many. Um, if you can do that against A&M and take their running game out of it, you have every chance to win that game too. Yeah, I can't remember who it was in the post game. It was someone on on one of the defensive players, but they said that they made an emphasis on gang tackling um, throughout the week, and and I, I saw that in the game. I mean, there was yeah a couple of missed tackles, um, a couple of times where he got free in space. But pretty much any time one gate was there to meet uh, Chris Rodriguez, there was multiple, um, and that's what you need to to take down a running back that's that's that good. That's what you need next week as well. Um, yeah, I do think if you can bend but not break in the run game, uh, cause a couple third and longs, um, Texas A&M's quarterback room, you know, hasn't necessarily proven that they can consistently convert in those situations. Um, so I think you have another opportunity for your defense to keep you in it. Um, Texas A&M's defense is obviously very good, so you're going to have to play a good game on offense. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, I think it projects to be a fourth-quarter game if everything goes as planned. Yeah. And then, you, you know, you kind of take a 30,000 foot level, like you were saying, you go into Missouri and Vanderbilt and, and look at their sec opponents, Vanderbilt's frisky. They had to lead on Ole Miss into the third quarter on Saturday. Missouri is also frisky. They played a tough game at Florida. They almost beat Georgia, but let's face it. Like those are games you would expect to win. They will be favored against Missouri. That's at home. That's homecoming. They, they have to go to Nashville, but they will be favored at Vanderbilt. And you have to take care of business. Being favored doesn't mean you win. Kentucky was favored Saturday. But there is, you called last week a golden opportunity. There is a golden stretch, I guess, of an opportunity here to really kind of stamp yourself on the on this season. They haven't won four in a row since 2013, the last year with Clowney. And they're going to have, at night, at home, a chance to do that against a, maybe not playing well, but against a name-brand opponent to get to that four in a row after the, coming out of the bye week. Yeah, um, you look at the AP poll this week, too. South Carolina received 12 votes. Uh, I, I haven't counted. Let's see, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. So you're sitting at like 35 or so right now. Uh, but if you somehow off against XAM, you're probably borderline top 25. If you win those next two, you're definitely sitting – if you're sitting seven and two, you're definitely going to be in the top 25, um, which hasn't happened since 20 – 19 2018 um i think they were ranked yeah. at the start of 2018 before they lost to georgia they were like 23 or 24 but yeah, yeah. so uh, not to get too far ahead of yourself but i mean we're not the players in the locker room or whatever. Well, yeah we we're not in the locker we, room yeah we, we can look ahead if we want to um i i think you're right there's there's definitely a stretch here that that has a lot of opportunity anything else that you wanted to cover from saturday night um we talked about Rattler struggles, the defense, special teams. No, I just oh, that's oh, Josh Van. Josh Van made some key plays. I mean, yeah. he still didn't have necessarily a breakout game, but there was at least two different third downs. I remember him making a big reception. I think they were on the same drive. On. Yeah, it was that. I think it was that fourteen play drive. Yeah, yeah so good to see him involved. In. Um, 
they really spread the ball around. I mean, Antoine Wells had another big week. Uh, Jaheim Bell probably still should be more involved, but he uh, had some key months as well. Had at least a couple first down catches. Um, took a reverse or like a jet sweep for a first down. I don't. I, you kind of said it at the start. I guess bring it full circle. Yeah, there's nitpicks. There's things that you might not like. That was not the first half. Four and two at the bye, three game winning streak. They're basically almost completely healthy, except for the season ending injuries. What more do you want right now? Yeah, I, I think if you're being realistic, you have to be happy here. And I also think uh, if you end up, you know, winning in these next few. Um, obviously still depending on how the offense looks or whatever, it's going to be tough to continue to be overly critical of Satterfield. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I think you still can be critical of him or whatever, but those of you that are hoping he's going to get fired at the end of the season or whatever, if you keep winning, I don't see that happening. So. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, enjoy your bye week y'all. This is, I don't know if you've looked at it. This is a, incredibly good slate next Saturday, at least on paper of college football. Um, this is a good week for South Carolina fans to just pull up a chair, watch a lot of good games and not worry about your own, your own team. Yep. And we will check back in on Thursday. We will talk about some of those games. We'll also just kind of talk about more of the mid season. Look at the, uh, at South Carolina, look at the schedule up ahead. Um, also, if you're looking for some reading material, uh on friday last friday um steven anderson on gamecocksgroup.com did a game by game breakdown of the rest of the season now i think he had us losing to kentucky so he's already over one, oh, one. But, <laughs> but he did have a, a look at i mean we, i think i switched my pick to south carolina after levis got ruled out um but yeah i i we, none of us were like feeling super confident or anything going into this game, except for Pauline, who <laughs> uh, met, true. Made, made sure to message us. Uh, made a good call. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She made sure to message, message us yesterday and be like, hey, I told you guys. And uh, yeah, you did. Good job. That was, <laughs> that was your pick. Um, so yeah, we will talk a lot more on Thursday about uh, just like we'll see the back half of the schedule. And then yeah, we'll get back here next week and preview some Texas A&M. Until next time, this has been the GameCockScoop.com podcast with Caleb Alexander and Alan Cole. Uh, see you soon.